Hello and welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast, the show where we interview spearfishing experts, authorities and characters from around the world. To become a better Spiro, come and join our spearfishing community at noobspiro.com. Today we're speaking with Cairns-based spearfisherman and underwater hockey enthusiast Sean Hartley. He's a manual arts teacher by day and a fearless 41-year-old underwater hockey player representing Cairns and possibly Queensland later this year. He was born and raised in New Zealand, sailed to Australia in 95 and we've never been able to get rid of him. <laughs> so, so enjoy the show with Sean Hartley. I wanted to share awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water, and that's why I started spearfishing. I just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet, and I'd never had a battle like that before in my life. But when you're learning where to hunt and find fish, they're the hotspots, it's where fish want to be. Don't overcomplicate your gear, don't go diving dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started off in stubbies with a bloody belt with a pig knife on it. And I've seen this big fin break the surface, roll into the water, look down, here's this nice big Great <laughs> Once your face hits the water and you feel relaxed and all the other stresses of life seem to disappear. It's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh yeah. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Adreno Spearfishing Supplies. Adreno is one of the world's biggest and best spearfishing stores. You can visit Adreno online at spearfishing.com.au or in store at their Brisbane or Sydney locations. G'day Noob Spiro listeners, welcome to the show today. Today we're interviewing Sean Hartley, he lives, spears and plays underwater hockey in Cairns. He's a manual arts teacher by day and a fearless 41 year old underwater hockey player representing Cairns and possibly Queensland later this year. He's born and raised in New Zealand, Sean sailed to Australia in 95, sailing through a Category 2 cyclone, typical Kiwi. He started spearfishing seriously in 2002. When, uh, when he moved to Barmaga, where he lived for three years and, and had some interesting encounters with crocs in the water. Uh, he's built a couple of boats and loves his underwater hockey. Um, welcome to the show, Sean. Yeah, mate. It's good to be on. Well, we'd like to start the show, mate. We'd like to learn a little bit about you, mate. So where did you start your spearfishing, mate? Yeah, look, I, uh, my first teaching job was in Barmaga. And um, when you go somewhere like that, it's... Probably people wouldn't think of it too much as a spearfishing location, but there's amazing things to shoot underwater there, and that's where I started off, really. I probably would have loved to have gotten into spearfishing as a kid, but I had a bit of an overprotective mum who viewed a pair of toenail clippers as being non-essential equipment <laughs> for, for any teenage boy, so yeah, couldn't sort of get my first spear gun uh, until I was a little bit older than that, you know? But once the training wheels came off, man, loved it, into it, underwater. It, yeah, it's just, you're either a water person or you're not. And if you're a water person, you just love being underwater, doing anything underwater, especially shooting a big fish. How, how old were you, Sean, when you when you actually started, when you actually could get a spear and get out there? Yeah, look, um, probably around about 27, 28. Um, I, I was into fishing well and truly before that and used to love uh, I did my education degree down on the Gold Coast, and we, me and a brother, we, I bought a tinny, five-meter tinny, and we used to go out to the 50, 60 fathom mark, and we'd be out there fishing, and these big gin palaces would come out, and they'd come up to us and go, you all right? You're broken down? You, you need a rest or anything? We're like, ah, no, we're just doing what you're doing, fishing. <laughs> so, yeah, always, always been into the water, 
uh, yep. always been into and just never, I mean, did a bit of snorkeling, did a lot of snorkeling, but um, yeah, just just sort of never really occurred to me to grab a spear gun and, and well, the couple of times it did, my mum would sort of go, no, you're not doing that, Sean, so yeah. yeah so at, at 27, you know, your mum was starting to trust you with toenail clippers and, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and you managed to get out and get in the water with a spear gun. Um, did someone sort of give you a few pointers along the way? Did you have a, a, an early mentor? Oh, look, I had a grade 12 mentor. Uh, I was teaching in the high school up there and a couple of the grade 12 boys up there, indigenous lads, would uh, go crayfish spearing and, and all sorts of, they'd, you know, they'd shoot crayfish, they'd shoot trout, they'd oh, shoot awesome. mackerel, whatever. And so they started inviting me out because I was a totally cool teacher back then. <laughs> Probably totally cool now, but and I loved it. I was just into it. Every time they would say, "Do you want to come?" I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah," with bells on. And uh, yeah, my brother had a Sea Hornet, you know, the old cheap A-mark gun, and I just used to swim along with that. And I got a hand spear, and yeah, I I swam with that Sea Hornet for years and shot everything with it. It was big just, old big old Mako head on the end of it, big old screw in double flopper. Yeah, double flopper screwing, yeah. and um, you just had to learn to stalk the fish because you had no range on it. Yeah. So you'd you'd creep up on the fish. You'd be doing the I'm just another fish in the ocean. Just in a bang. Thank yeah. you. You're my. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty cool. So what were some of the um, obviously you know you started with the sea hornet and you've said you know like limits on range and things like that. What were some of the other obstacles you had getting out and and sort of learning learning how to get effective at spearfishing. Learning the territory to swim in, learning what was productive, what was not productive. Um, you know, you can you can do a lot of swimming and see nothing, and then you hit the right sort of country, and you're like, ah, oh, this is where the fish are, this is where the trout are, this is where the crays are. Why have I wasted four hours today? So, <laughs> learning that stuff, that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, and and these boys are really good at that. They they kind of go, okay, how about here? And they go, no, nah, nah, what do you want to swim there for? And I'll be like. Is there nothing here? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. Could you share with us a story of the first memorable fish that you speared? What species was it and sort of where were you and what was your depth and time of year, that sort of thing? Oh, look, I, the first fish that I was astounded that I got would have been about a just over a metre um, cod, just trying to uh, – honeycomb cod. Yep. Oh, okay. And just swam down – three, four metres deep, came around the corner. He was there. I just pulled the trigger. Next second, I lost my gun. Yeah. <laughs> he swam into a cave, so there's my gun. So I grabbed my gun. I've reached in, pulled the spear out, pulled the pulled the cod out, swam up to the surface. Yeah, look at this, look at this. They're all like, you're shooting cod. Trout, yes, cod, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good fish to take in three or four metres of water. Like That's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Oh, look, Bamaga was a boy's paradise. It was an absolute boy's paradise. And I I kind of left there and I thought, well, that that's my fun part of life over now. I, I'm going to move down to a city, Cairns, and it's all going to be pretty boring from there. But, yeah, um, you just saw stuff you'd never see anywhere else up there at Reese out there because it was all so kind of pretty much untouched. So you'd just swim country that no one had swum before and, yeah. All right, so... Um What's your favourite spearfishing hunting technique, Sean, and, and how do you apply it effectively? Um, I My favourite, I guess, would be stalking a fish, you know. Um, I like to get close. It's probably a bit of a habit from swimming around with a flipping AMART special gun, 
for yep. a long time. But yep. I like to make sure that when I hit a fish, when I'm when I'm going to shoot a fish, I'm going to hit it. So um, yeah, I like to get close. Um, so yeah, stalking it, trying to trying to just be as unobtrusive and as non-threatening as I can in the water, you know. And yeah, I. I found that's pretty successful in the long run. I've I've had a few similar situations up north, like say like for trout or, or whatever. I think it's a good example to use or um, similar species. Like you're on the bottom, um, or and you see a big trout, and they get a little bit cagey sometimes when they get a bit bigger. So you swim up yeah, to yeah, him, yeah. he turns and does his normal sort of four meter trot away, and yeah, then he yeah. turns back around again, waiting for you like a puppy dog. <laughs> but but sometimes I'll just play that game with you for friggin' forty meters. It seems like. What, yeah. what What's some of your techniques to kind of get your approach right on that fish? I try not to look at them. I try. I don't try. Like I try to be. I don't know. I figure fish are schooling type things. So they, you know, if you come at a fish sideways head on, they're threatened by that. But if you're kind of, kind of following at a bit of an angle, sort of sitting off, not directly behind them, but off on a bit of an angle. That doesn't seem to threaten them quite so much. Okay. Um, trout, for sure, a curious fish, so you can do all kinds of things like picking up a bit of a coral and throwing it on the bottom and clinking your rubbers on your gun and all that sort of stuff. And they'll kind of turn around and have it. What, what was that? What was that? You know? Yep, yep. If you've okay. got something bright and flashy, sometimes I'll have a, I'll slip a bit of a CD down my um, stinger suit and I'll pull that out and just flash it in the water and, yeah, just different things like that. Okay. That's good. That's pretty good. All right, Sean, um, mate, if you just give us your scariest moment you've had out on the water, mate, any near misses or anything like that ever happened to you? My scariest moment would have been the first time I went diving with these boys, and I didn't know what a crayfish looked like underwater. And so they're diving, they're bringing these crayfish up. I'm looking at some point, they went, well, is not got anything. We should make them feel good about this. We should charm a crayfish. And so they called me over to this rock and they said, under there, under there, there's a big crayfish. <laughs> take your head down, get your spear ready, shoot him, take your time. So I've swum down to this rock, poked my head out. They'd gone around the other side of the rock and there was a <laughs> shark sitting under this rock. I don't know what they're called. I call them a sleepy shark. Yeah. And as I poked my head down, they yanked on this shark's tail and it come bolting out of this hole. <laughs> I'm sitting there. I reckon the water went brown and <laughs> bubbles everywhere as I screamed in terror and swam to the surface going, you bastards, you effing bastards. <laughs> but anyway, that was that was my – I've repeated that scary moment on a few friends who I've taken diving just, just so that I can live the joy of their <laughs> facial experience and go, that's what I look like. Oh, oh nice. So, yeah. All right, Sean. Um, we can, I've we... got another reasonably good one. Okay, yeah, far away. Can I have two scary moments? Of course Absolutely. you can. Um, I was uh, snorkeling for crayfish, um, spearing for crayfish just off the uh, near where the wharf is actually at Bamaga, and um, there's a little hill called Bald Hill, and there's a croc that was local to that area called Sarge because he'd eaten the sergeant's dog one day. <laughs> and um, so I'm diving with a friend of mine who was an AOG pastor and another guy from school. And my wife was in the boat. She had just had a baby. She was looking after the baby. So I figured normal practice up there on coastal dives was the boat would kind of follow you. So you've yep. got to fish, you threw it in. person in the boat's looking out for crocs, all that sort of stuff. But I, in my wisdom, went, you know what? You sit here, babe. It'll be cool. I'll swim down there. I'll swim back. Be half an hour. Be all good. And, you know, you won't have to stress about babies and all that sort of stuff. So we're swimming along. 
at some point, you know, you look around for where everybody is and I look, come up, can't see anybody, think, oh, they must be down. So I swim along a bit further, come up, can't see them. I happen to turn around and scan and there standing on the bank are these two guys waving their hands at me and yelling, Croc! And oh. I'm like, where? And they're like, behind you! <laughs> and so I kind of turn around and 30, 40 feet behind me is this three and a half metre Oh, bullshit. Croc wow. Sarge, oh, kind of just slowly swimming towards me. And... Um, I don't know, time dilates when you have kind of near-death <laughs> Everything goes super slow. And I remember thinking, I remember being at a croc lecture once and the dude said when they go underwater, they pull a little film down over their eyes. And I thought, I wonder if he can see as well underwater as he can on top. And I had four or five crayfish in my hand at the time. And so I've dived underwater and I thought, I'm just going to swim my guts out to the shore and if he attacks me, I've got four or five crayfish to feed him, and I've got a spear in the other hand, and he's going to get both. Yeah. So I'm swimming along underwater, swimming along underwater, and I come across this spear gun sitting on the bottom. So I think, well, now I've got two spear guns. So I stopped to pick that up, kept swimming, kept swimming, finally ran out of breath, came up, got to the beach. By then, my wife had pulled the anchor up, started the boat, brought it into the shore, and this AOG passed. It was like, Man, I'm a man of faith, but I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a good croc story. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was a very good. You, that, that was well worth two scary moment stories. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, so we, we uh, change pace of the show here and we go... We go into a section called the Veterans Vault. This is the part of the show where we ask our special guests to take us deep into an area of, ex of uh, spearfishing expertise that they'd like to share about. We call it the Veterans Vault. We've teed you up today, Sean, to talk with a big passion of yours, and that is underwater hockey. So for someone completely un unfamiliar with underwater hockey, how would you explain the, the game? <laughs> Firstly, I'd say there's no point in going to watch it unless you love watching whales surface and breed. Because and, <laughs> it's just not, not a spectator sport. But yeah. um, if you're participating, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. So, yeah, look, it's um, you got a little metal puck sitting on the bottom of the pool. Yep. weighs about a kilo and a half. You've got these tiny little sticks that you're supposed to move said puck and get it into the other side's goal. What mostly happens is you dive down, you get it, you swim it all the way to the other end, you run out of breath, you come up to get a breath, you look down again, and the puck is all the way back down near your goal. So you swim all the way back, and you keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How many guys on each team do you have, or guys and girls? Um, we play, normally the actual team size is six aside, but um, sometimes you'll have a few more people playing because you just don't quite have enough for three teams or... Yeah. Uh, at the moment in Cairns, we've got around about 50 people that are playing. Oh, wow. And of those 50, we probably, like not over the Christmas period, but prior to the Christmas period, we were getting a regular 24, 25 show up every night. So we were just playing two games. So. All right. So I'm playing underwater hockey for the first time. I dive down. You've, you've kindly pointed me in the direction of the metal puck. And, um, yep. and I'm swimming at it in a great rate of knots. I sort of put my stick in front of the ball and I hit it just like hockey, like but like real hockey, like ice hockey, and I'm headed towards the other other team's goal. What are they allowed to do to stop me? 
Um, it's a complete non-contact sport, so it's the perfect sport for geriatric older men like yourself. <laughs> you're not gonna, you're not gonna dislocate your knee. You're not gonna break your shoulder. Um, you know, the only thing that's allowed to contact the puck essentially yep. is the stick. So there's no punching the other person in the head with a glove. Yeah. Unless of course he's cheating. Because you do get a few people who get a little bit carried away and they'll grab your fin because you took it off them and then, yeah, but you'll sort it out. It's all pretty good. Can you actually hit the puck underwater or are you just more just sort of shoveling it along the bottom of the pool? Like, um, if you're, like, we've had a couple of guys come along who've never played hockey before and they can flick it. That's pretty rare. I yeah. reckon it took me around about 10 weeks to learn to make it come off the bottom of the pool and move about a metre and a half in the water. Oh, wow. Right. The really okay. good guys, they can flick it around about five metres. Oh, yeah. So some of them can look like they almost make it out of the pool. So and there's all tech to it. So what's that? So you actually, you actually, the technique is lifting it off the bottom of the pool up into the water column, is it? Yeah. Yeah, like um, the, the bats have a little bevel on them, and yeah. the bevel slides under the puck, and, and if you get your kind of timing right, it'll roll along the edge of the stick and then fly through the water. And so it's a mix of pushing it and passing and, okay. yeah, all that sort of stuff. So if, okay. I, if you're coming at me and I want to take it off you, I've got to use my stick to get it off you. I'm not allowed to block you uh, unless I'm standing still. You've got to go around me if I'm sitting still in the water column. Yep. If I'm moving, I've kind of got to get out of your way, take it off you and move off. So, yeah. Okay, how wide are the goals? Uh, around about two and a half metres, I'd say. Okay. So you've got, you got a fair space to get it in. Um, you're not allowed to kind of lie across the goal to protect it either. you kind of got to be actively defending it, not sort of passively, well, I'm two and a half metres long and I just happen to sit in this space here. Yeah. If you do that, you're likely to get a puck in the head. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how, how big is the um, the the pool, the, the like the so surface? Court size is around about 25 metres long. So... Um, it's a it's a pretty awesome cardiovascular workout if you uh, if you get it and you can get it into the uh, into the other person's goal because yeah that's that's a twelve and a half meter swim flat out underwater yeah yeah, yeah. how wide how wide would you say uh, thirteen meters so twenty five by thirteen all right and six aside that's a fair amount of like bottom to cover <laughs> I'd imagine like that would be a good workout yeah oh look it's the best cardiovascular workout you can get because the first thing you're doing is depriving yourself of oxygen and then making your body work really hard so yeah forget altitude training yeah underwater hockey okay so some some of the same sort of benefits then because like whenever you restrict oxygen you you force your red blood cell count to do different sort of crazy things and all sorts of stuff don't you all right so what are some of the benefits for a spear fisherman doing underwater hockey as a as a sport oh look um I took it up four years ago. I took it up because I was getting old and fat and I wasn't getting out spearfishing as much as I did. And when I went spearfishing, I was finding I'd lost a lot of the super amazing ability that I had just because I just had no fitness left. So I started looking for a sport that I could play that would keep my fitness up. And um, you know what? When you play underwater hockey, you don't have to deal with any hot, sweaty, smelly clothing. You know, it's just cold water and you're practicing for the sport that you're actually going to enjoy so i've got here fitness um lose weight 
and it's like better benefits um, to spear fishermen than altitude training. Oh, you know, so I've done a free diving course. I did my free diving course with Adam Stern. Yep. He was Australia's champion free diver. Yep. I found that that, like I've been spear fishing for a while. I'm pretty good. I was able to dive what I thought was reasonably deep. I found that doing that course, I didn't learn heaps and heaps of new stuff, but I learned enough new stuff that I started consciously thinking about what I do when I dive. And, okay. you know, when you go when you go spearing for fish, sometimes you'll you'll be relaxed, you'll swim down, then you'll see something, you'll swim a little bit faster, then it'll get spooked, so you'll, you know, you'll completely freeze, pause in the ocean, then you've got to move after it again. There's lots of that kind of, you, you're kind of going into active swimming, and then you're going into relaxation, then you're active swimming, then you shoot, then you're active swimming, and underwater hockey's like that a lot. Sometimes you're going super hard, and then you might flick it to the player in front of you, and then you, if you go up, potentially you miss an opportunity to regain the puck and keep uh. going because the person you pass it to might lose it. So you go really hard, you flick it forward, and then you consciously relax yourself and just okay. try and slow everything down, and you keep swimming, and then you keep, you, know, you might go hard again. So it's really good for that kind of thinking about what happens when I'm underwater. Ah, nice. I like that. That's sort of, what, how do you find, like, once you're doing a lot of underwater hockey and you're training a lot for underwater hockey, what happens, like, in ocean scenario with your uh, recovery times, uh, bottom times, and, and that kind of thing? What, what sort of benefits do you find there? Oh, look, I found, um, like, I'm stepping it up for myself quite a bit. Um, recovery breathing, I found helps so much during underwater hockey yeah and so you, you come to the surface you do your recovery breathing you can go straight under i found that when i go spear fishing all that kind of underwater hockey playing that i'm doing then helps me to get deeper longer like i i would have been comfortable 15 meters probably prior to playing underwater hockey i now kind of do 25 30 and wow. you know that's that's it's not because I've been practicing at diving 25 to I haven't been doing free diving discipline or anything like that. I've just been playing underwater hockey, thinking about what happens when I go underwater. You know, obviously my cardiovascular uh, fitness improves, my red blood cell count gets higher because I'm depriving my body of oxygen, so it's yep. trying to work efficiently, yep. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's amazing what altitude training and restricting oxygen levels does to your red blood cells. Like it increases them in size and and volume, yep. and and then that and that 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 means you can uptake more oxygen in your in your blood, and and yep. I guess and um, it stops you from becoming hypoxic. Yeah, I mean they're pretty drastic benefits, aren't they? Going from fifteen being a fifteen meter diver to a twenty five thirty meter diver. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like that's so three hundred percent kind of improvement. Yeah, and it's I mean, obviously probably ninety nine percent of us can't go diving during the week. Yeah, and, and if we're yeah. lucky, we might get a dive once a fortnight most mm. ways. Yeah, that's, and, um, that's it. and the fact that you can just head down to the pool and do this training, and it's going to be sort of instantly beneficial on the weekend of your diving, and you're going to start catching more fish is is massive. Like that's awesome. Yeah. I I started it for fitness, but I found I I'm competitive. So if I go spearing with you guys, I'm going to want to get the first trout. I'm going to want to get the first cray. And then if, when you guys spear something, I'm going to want mine to be two centimetres, three centimetres. I don't need it to be heaps bigger than you, just bigger than yours. So If you go spearfishing with Turbo, you're going to be super happy because you're going to get that first. It's going to be bigger. 
Does that does that go on? Does that like also transfer to the locker room after a game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So underwater hockey, I found, gives me that sense of competition. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm not the best player. Yeah. And so I'm constantly evaluating how I play against better players, and I'm evaluating how not so good players are playing against me, and going, oh, okay, they're stepping up. I got to step up, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Cool. The other thing is you don't need – like, I mean, I literally was pretty fat and unfit when I started playing it. That <laughs> yeah. didn't necessarily disadvantage me. Okay. Um, underwater hockey is not kind of the sport. I mean, if you're super fit and, you know, you are going to have advantages. But, you know, we've got multi-ages. We've got seven-year-olds playing. We've got 65-year-olds playing. We've got ladies playing. We've got fat people playing. We've got thin people playing, you know, Different people seem to have different advantages within the water. Um, one of our better players is a pretty large guy, um, and you know he he just plays extraordinarily well. And you wouldn't think that he was an amazing athlete, but when he jumps in the water, he's pretty good. Would there would there be room in your team for like a a thirty year old cigarette poisoned um, <laughs> podcast co host? Because uh, Turbo is looking for charity here. Charity. Oh, look, yeah. I always take charity, especially when I can humble a 30-year-old. 30, 30 that's, <laughs> that's my scene. How much does it cost to get started, Sean? What, um, do, you, what do you need to buy? What, what, what so are your membership fees and things like that? Membership fees are pretty cheap. You join the AUFQ, which is 70 bucks a year. That just covers you for insurance and helps the club that hires the pool to have the insurance to hire the pool. Yep. Um then you've got a game fee on top of that. So in Cairns, we're charging five bucks. I think down in Morrowfield, they charge seven bucks. That's outrageous, I think, Sean. You've lost me. Yeah. <laughs> look, it's it's definitely affordable. One of the cheapest sports out there. I think the Gold Coast is charging about five bucks as well. Um, yeah. And you know, I mean, the pools just like to see their 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 places being used, and you know, it pulls in a good bit of income for them in times when. Because I mean, we're not we're not playing in their peak operating times when people are doing laps. We're playing just as they're about to close up, so it's good money for them. What about equipment? Yeah. yeah so so you need a set of um, a lot of the people play with Mears Quattros, which I swam around with for a long time as my spear fishing uh, fins. They were a pretty good pretty good fin for you know they weren't ideal, but they were pretty good for for deeper dives and long swimming, and they're pretty efficient. But they're also just about an ideal size for underwater hockey. Um, you need a glove, mask and snorkel, which you should already have if you're a Spiro, and a stick. But a lot of the clubs have gear you can borrow to see whether you like it. I mean, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. But we haven't found too many spare fishermen who come along, you know, go, oh, you know what, this is awful. I can't believe I'm doing this. They're all kind of like, this is great. You know, I, can't, I love being underwater. I love spearing. Here I've got an opportunity to do it midweek. Kind of. All right, how much for the hockey stick? Um, if you want to buy, so you can make your own. Uh, yep. Being a manual arts teacher, that's my preferred option. All right, you can you can make us one each. Yeah, I make. Yeah, you can make a glove for about five bucks. You can make a stick for about five bucks, or you can pay. Uh, there's a bunch of places. There's a couple of Australian uh, people that are uh, producing underwater hockey gear. There's one guy in New Zealand. I think a set of sticks sets you back about 60 bucks. Um, you need a water polo cap because there is a risk 
of um, getting a pressure wave on your eardrum, rupturing your eardrum. Ooh. So the uh, water polo caps just have that ear protection for that. How much are they? Uh, 20 bucks. 20 and bucks. then you're up for a glove, which is around about, if you're buying it, around about 50 bucks. Okay. So it's not, it's, I mean, and the gear lasts you quite a few seasons. So it's not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've still got the original glove I bought four years ago and, um, it's still going pretty strong. So, That's good. Yeah. so, so you said that you were, you were pretty large and overweight when you started. You might be able to help us. Where can, um, Shrek <laughs> find a, like a proper big man's, uh, speedo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got me. I was going to pull one out for that too. <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't help you out with that. I just went down to the local Amart and they had big ass speedos. I don't actually wear speedos. I've, I mean, there's a bunch of oh, guys no. that you guys playing underwater hockey with, and they're comfortable in that. Yeah. that's a wall I've never been able to climb over. <laughs> cool man. I'd be more just comfortable playing with you in shorts. They call that wall <laughs> decency, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I wear like a a pair of boardy short, like no, it's still lycra, but it's just it's a level I can just do. I I swam in board shorts for ages, and yeah. everyone's going, "You should get a pair of these." And I'm like, "I can't wear them." And then I thought one day, I'll just go get a pair of board short lycra type thing, and I try it out. Yeah. The amount of drag that a pair of board shorts gives you was phenomenal, and oh, I, okay. so I was converted. Okay. Turbo's actually got a sequined G-banger. Would that be allowed? <laughs> oh, look, we, we accept all handicaps and underwater hockey. Oh, cool. Sport. Yeah. Oh, I, can't. I look forward to this more. Sequence G-banger. Just fanny pattern all around. Great, well, we're yeah. heading down to have a go at this, I reckon. Yeah, right, um, you've, you've sold us on it now, Sean. We're going to have yeah. a go. So no, I mean, we'll... a lot of the clubs do, like we do a social thing every Thursday night after a game. We go and have a cheap Thai restaurant and we, you know, a lot of our conversations are around spearfishing and diving and all that sort of stuff. So there's a good social connection you usually end up with. Um, there's, you, I mean, it's like anything. You've got Sparrows and they're hardcore and the only people they'll acknowledge are other hardcore Sparrows and then you've got Sparrows who are like, you know what, this guy looks keen. Let's give him a run. Let's tell him what he needs to know. Let's, let's help him out as much as you can. Underwater hockey is much like that. There's people in every oh, club. Cool. They're welcoming. They're friendly. They'll say, look, this is what you know. Oh, no, that was the dumb idea. Don't do that again. Yep. You're just going to keep losing us goals. Do this. Try this. Do this. And, yeah, so I played in all of the Brisbane clubs. Yep. Uh, uh, Chandler was really friendly. Morayfield was really friendly. Toowoomba was friendly. Gold Coast was super aggressive. But still kind of friendly. <laughs> that sounds about right. They're probably all coming down off a big night down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> uh, it's all good. I think we've wrapped up underwater hockey. Uh, it sounds sounds awesome, Sean. You've done a good job of sort of um, like informing our audience about some of the benefits that um, they could get from it and, and the enjoyment too by the yeah. sounds of it. I'd probably say if you, if you give it a go, you go, the first game you play, you'll be going, oh, man – because I, it took me probably three games before I went, nah, this is fun. Because the first game nearly killed me. The second <laughs> game nearly killed me. The third game I did what I thought was an amazing move. And by the fourth game, I thought I was a professional. <laughs> uh, but you know what? If you like it, watch what the good players do. Copy them. It's like any other sport. You kind of go, that was amazing. How yeah. do you do that? I can do that. 
Yeah, oh, cool. that didn't work. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess a piece of advice I'd have is don't just give it one shot. I mean, it, I reckon it takes two or three goes to kind of work out whether you like a sport or not, um, especially if you're unfit and fat like I was because, <laughs> yeah, you just feel like you nearly killed yourself and was that worth it? But yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a pretty unique kind of fitness too. A lot of sprinting involved mm. and that kind of stuff. So yeah. there's probably not a lot you could do to really, you know, get conditioned for it except from doing it. I've had I've had bloods done recently and, um, you know, my red blood cell count was down a bit. And uh, so, like, they were sort of saying, like, I, I did a bit of self-research and altitude training was one of the things they recommended. So it's interesting to hear that, you know, underwater hockey probably has even more benefits towards that than um, than altitude training does, and obviously that's going to directly benefit your spearfishing fitness as well. So yep. that's cool. Today's Veterans Vault was brought to you in partnership with Penetrator Fins. Pound for pound, pound for considerable pound. These <laughs> fins have made the difference for me. Being a 120 kilo unit and using the heavy glass blades just was getting a bit old. I've upgraded now to Penetrator Carbons and won't look back. I've been using Penetrator Fins for years now and I find the really reactive carbon fibre means I put less energy in for greater output, which means I spend more time on the bottom shooting fish. Check out the custom Noob Sparrow Octopus Edition at NoobSparrow.com. All the same great features of Penetrator Blades with our new custom design. Or for the full range of Penetrator Fins, head over to PenetratorFins.com. Going to change pace a bit, Sean. Um, what's the funniest thing you've experienced out spearfishing? Ah, oh, the funniest thing I've experienced. Well, I've already told the story, but it was definitely taking new divers and getting their expectations up, finding a rock with the shark sitting under it and watching their facial expression. <laughs> uh, oh, funniest thing. So are you the welcoming guy on a dive trip? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very welcoming guy on a dive trip. If you guys ever make it up to Cairns, you're welcome to look me up and, uh, yeah, we'll take you out for a, for a spare. Give us the shark treatment. That sounds good. Oh, no, look, you're, you're pre-warned. I'll yeah. think of something else. <laughs> oh, no. That sounds even more ominous. All right. All right, cool. Sean, I mean, we've we've talked a fair bit about underwater hockey gear, but what what's in your dive bag for spearfishing? So to head to toe, what's your day-to-day spearfishing kit look like? I am a Kiwi, so I've never found North Queensland cold, so I've never had a wetsuit. So i got a stinger suit. I wear that all the time. What because, brand? Oh, just a cheap brand. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not a brand type person. I'm like... Any bit of money I get goes into petrol for spearfishing. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's sensible. it. So right, anything yeah. I can save, if I don't have to buy a camo stinger suit and I can get just a cheap black one for 65 bucks that'll still get me or, or blue or whatever, gives me the sun protection I need, protects me from the reef. That's all I need. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, stinger suit, dive belt, um, cheap orange gloves for, for pulling craze out or holding on to a fish while you bleed it. So, like, just gloves from a hardware store or something? Uh, you know those uh, orange fish gloves with the, like, oh, the latex? Yeah, yeah the, they're the Fielding gloves. I know the ones. Yep. With, like, Filleting the sticky gloves. stuff on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, a pair of fins, uh, dive fins. i got Captain Nemo's at the moment. I actually started making my own fins, so I'm thinking about making my own composite. I made my own hockey blades. I'm thinking about making my own um, dive fins. But, oh, yeah. So, 
also thinking about hitting Larry up for a set as well. So, La- Larry is actually good like this. We had a couple of mates who got all um, ambitious. They built a whole table to make their own composite um, carbon fins. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was a friggin' nightmare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, but they they ended up chatting to Larry a bit, and Larry tells people. He gives you a couple of clues if you if you ever want some insight into you know some efficient ways to do. It. Even though you're a manual arts teacher, I'm sure he's got something to sort of tell you. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of our a lot of our hockey players are swimming with his penetrator fins. I bought a set for my wife, and I was kind of hoping she wouldn't like them, and I'd be able to steal them. But yeah. she really likes them, and I haven't been able to steal them. So. Oh, great. Yeah, we actually saw those. We were down there the day they were coming out of the um out of his mould, and they are a good looking fin. Those things. Yeah, they are a really good fin. Anyway, um, yeah, so set of fins, my 1.1 metre gun. I shoot Spaniards, Trout, Crays. Uh, what, what, sort of, what sort of gun is it? Pelage, I think. Pelage railgun, venom. Yeah, nothing special, nothing fancy. Yeah, It'll fit three rubbers, so if I'm chasing mackerel, I'll put three rubbers on it. Otherwise, it's just two rubbers for everything else. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's probably effective up to about two two and a half meters that's about the furthest i'd shoot anything from so one gun you that's it you just one gun yeah. for the whole does the whole lot that's me <laughs> one gun sean yeah <laughs> oh sweet if it gets the job done and you're happy with it then that's all you need yeah 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 that's good okay cool in today's dive bag with Sean Hartley, we've discussed underwater hockey and, and, the, and the tools you need to get the job done. You can buy a lot of that equipment at spearfishing.com.au. Use the code NoobSpero at checkout to save $20 on all purchases over $200. Shop with spearfishing.com.au and support the NoobSpero podcast. Okay, Sean, so fast five facts for noobs. So this is the part of the show where we get you... Um, in rapid fire, list five pieces of advice that you would give to a noob Spiro starting out. Okay, do a free diving course, essential. Okay. Just amazing what you get off that. Get a 1.1 meter rail gun. Yep. That'll shoot anything you need to shoot. Find people who'll give you a dive, they're not that hard. Get a decent set of fins and get into underwater hockey. Yeah, cool. That was rapid fire too. Yeah, that was really good. Too quick so, for me to ride it. So we've got do a free diving course. Uh, get a 1.1 meter rail gun. Have to agree with you there. Very effective. Um, you can use them for everything. Find people who will give you a dive. I remember you saying before the show that you know the people that will give you a dive are probably the guys that will give you a bit of advice too. And um, number four was get a decent set of fins. Um, penetrators. F- penetrators. <laughs> <laughs> and number five, get into underwater hockey. So awesome. That'll help you with number three because. People are playing, well, I, I don't know about Brisbane, but certainly up here in Townsville, everyone who's playing uh, underwater hockey in our North Queensland part, they're all into spearfishing as well. So, yeah. Cool. Brilliant. All right, awesome. So we've had a, a really good episode with you, Sean. Um, if you were going to ask our audience to go and check something out or take some sort of action, what would it be? Uh, look, go and jump online on Facebook and have a look at the Cairns Craze Underwater Hockey page. That there's a bunch of really good videos on there, um, good information about the sport, and there's the odd little spearfishing thing on there as well. So, yeah. All right. I'll link that up in your show notes, and uh, people can go in and check you out. Cairns, Cairns Craze Underwater Hockey, was that right? Yep. On Facebook. That's about it from me. 
Yeah, no, no, I enjoyed that. I'm actually, uh, you've actually fired me up to go and have a go at underwater hockey. Yeah, yeah me too. Particularly with like the spearfishing benefits, like that's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and the health benefits too, like, and there's, it sounds like there's a few benefits, the social benefits too, if there's a good crew there as well. So, awesome, Sean. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, joining us today. Really appreciate it. No worries. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to today's show. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. To learn more about becoming a better Spiro, visit us at noobspiro.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Turbo, why would listeners want to subscribe to the Noob Spiro newsletter? Well, Shrek, if they subscribe to our newsletter, we will send them the Noob Spiro guide to getting started, which includes the dive day equipment checklist. Not only that, you get the top 10 tips for becoming a better Spiro from the world's best and more. Can you give us an example of one of those tips? Get a mentor. That's one that pops up a lot. Ah, nice. Like I was to you. (laughs) I'm in.